Now, what I'm going to continue on today with you is talking to you about what is a true heart of generosity. You see, the issue that God really dealt with me on and, and has been convicting me is not what we give to, but the heart we give from. And, you know, it's so easy as a pastor, it's so easy as a business owner, it's so easy as a coach or a teacher. When you're sharing vision, you're so excited about it, and you're so motivated to get people to give time, to, to give resources, to give money, to give influence, to give, 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 give to something versus really looking at our heart and understand not it's not what we're giving to, but it's why we're giving and the condition of our heart we're giving from. As we begin to understand that, we'll realize that much of the body of Christ, I mean, really, the standard for giving and generosity in our nation is so low right now. If a church does anything, I mean, we've just done some things, not anywhere close to what we want to do out in our community recently. And there's a big buzz about it. But come on, people, it was good. It was okay. But it was a two out of a ten compared to what God wants to do through us. In other words, the standard for true godly generosity is so low in our city and in our nation, you could almost blink at something and somebody would say, well, you're generous. You're generous. You gave your time. You're generous. Oh, you gave a few bucks. You're generous. Oh, you fed some people. You're generous. That's not what generosity is. Generosity is not what I'm giving, and generosity is not what I'm giving to. True generosity is the condition of my heart and the why that I give what I give. And I don't just give because of a why. I give because of who I am and whose I am. Now, if the world, our city, our nation, and others think that if you do almost anything kind, that's generosity, then what's that say about the church? What does that say about you and I? Now, I'm not putting you down. We're a very giving church. I'm not going to say generous church because I don't think we, I know we haven't stepped into that yet, but we are a giving church. And we give some sacrificial, and we do, and you, you tithe, many of you, and you give. But that, that doesn't mean we're generous. And what I want to do is go back to the very foundation of what I birthed Beth Juan, Steph, and I, and we originally started. People used to get on me all the time and say, my God, I used to take offerings in a Michael 30, 40 minutes. But I mean, I'd be going. And I was so passionate about getting people to understand why we give. I was so passionate. It's even more than trying to get something to, so the church could do a vision or do something. It was wanting people to really understand what real giving, what real generosity is all about. Because when the difficult times come, when the tough times come, the why is going to outlast the what. So I want to go back, and I want to re-disciple you. You that's been through this discipleship, it's going to be good for you. It's going to be a, a new memory. It's going to stir up things and add things. But you that's never truly been discipled in what true generosity is, this is going to be so critical to you. Because if we don't understand what true generosity is to others, how are we going to have true generosity to our family, to our loved ones, to those that... We influence to those that we're responsible for. You know, the scripture I gave you out of Acts back at the uh, end of last year about Jesus went about what both to do, right? Not only do, but then he also did. He set the oppressed and the captives free, and he healed all that were sick. And so much we focus on seasons of healing and deliverance, and we love that here at Bethel. And then we'll focus on the to-do. We got to do this. We got to do that. We're going to accomplish this. We're going to go for the city, right? We're going to do this. That's all good. But it has to have a healthy root. And that healthy root is not what I'm giving to, but where am I giving from? What's the condition of my heart? What is the, in other words, not just your condition, what is my motive for giving? What is my, even sometimes we sacrifice for selfish reasons so we'll be a martyr. We sacrifice and serve somebody else because we don't want to disappoint them. Versus sacrificing, serving, or giving from a heart of love. You see, God's love is different than our love. Our love is what the Bible calls filio love. It's 
based on what the conditions are. And I'll love you if you love me. But God's love is agape love. It is the kind of love that gives its life for another. Whenever God gave his son Jesus, think about it. When Jesus came, he said, he didn't send him to condemn or judge the world. He sent him that the world through him might be saved. This is the same God that was more concerned about you and I and our ancestors and forefathers who had betrayed him and now ready to give up his only son so that we could be reunited back into relationship with him. And his son was ready to come and sacrifice, and he did sacrifice himself, and he took our sin, he took our suffering, he took our pain on his shoulders, right? He did all that. Why? Because that's what generosity is. Generosity is not what I'm getting in return. Generosity is not the notoriety I get. Generosity is not the influence it brings. True generosity is a heart of grace. True generosity is a heart of love, unconditional love. Love with no strings attached. And I want you to just begin to judge your own heart. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says, judge your heart lest ye be judged in that day. What is my heart? My heart, cardia in the Greek language. It can also mean flesh and blood, pumping blood. But cardia, it means the center of you. Some places it means soul, some places it means spirit. Well, what is soul? Soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your spirit is your intuition, your communion, and your likeness of God. When you were born again, the part of you that was abiding in the state of death, John 3 says, came alive. You were what? Born again. Your spirit person, who you really are, which is the image and likeness of God, was abiding in a state of death. And through the atoning blood of Jesus and the grace of Jesus, who is grace, right? We are saved by Jesus or saved by grace, what? Through faith. As we release our faith to accept his grace. You're not just accepting a promise. You're not just accepting a covenant. You're not just accepting some revelation. You are accepting God in the flesh and God in the spirit that came and now he he gave you the Holy Spirit to testify and to live inside you and you were once dead, but now you're alive. And you're not alive for 40 or 60 or 80 or 100 years. No, He's talking about forever. He's talking about eternal life. You see, true generosity is when I get an eternal perspective. How is this going to not just affect me and others, but how is this going to affect people forever? When you're generous with your time and you're out serving the community, when you're generous with your finances, when you're generous with your skill set, when you're generous, what happens? If one person comes to Christ, you just had an eternal effect. When you get to heaven, the Bible says that these treasures are, are in earth and vessel. The Spirit of God is here. But said the true treasure, what, is laid up before you. And it's not hay, and it's not stubble, and it's not wood, and it's not things of this earth. But it's the results we have. It's the fruit of our righteousness. You can only be righteous one time. You can't be more or less righteous. Righteous means I'm in right standing with God. Righteousness is my position, my topos, my position of opportunity when I become a born-again believer. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Why is that? Because the Spirit of God lives in me, puts me in a position of opportunity in right standing with the Father as his child. Now, the key is the fruits of my righteousness is what influence do I bear for God who gave his son and his son who died for me. So true generosity is bearing and releasing that influence to the best of my ability that that I can bring an eternal reward for the sacrifice God made for me. That's what generosity is. It's not about me or what I want, or it's not even about the mission. It's not about the vision. It's about Abba. It's about Daddy. It's about our Heavenly Father. Can somebody say amen this morning? So last week, I began to talk to you, and you guys, I'll give you scriptures as I go, and you can can fill in. I didn't give you notes this morning. But last week, as I was talking to you, the, the significance, the importance of The heart that we give from is more important than the project we give to. 
God doesn't measure you according to what you give to. God measures us according from the heart we give from. Prophet Trout talked about it. I've talked about it many times. There's three different types of giving, right? The first is the tithe. And that Bible says in Malachi 3 and other places what we return the 10% to God. We don't own it. That's his. He gives us 90%. But many people believe that's just a 10% tax. And they're unwilling to do it. Remember I shared with you about the four uns, you know, the three uns, you know, what? Uh, unwilling, unable, uninspired, and uninformed, right? The, the, the three, the four uns. Sometimes we're, we feel we're unable to be generous, but we can buy gas to go on a trip. Sometimes we feel we're unable to be generous, but, you know, we can buy that discount toy at the toy store. Sometimes we feel we're unable and we believe we're unable. But see, the problem is that keeps you, not that, not that somebody needs our two bucks. It's the fact that we need to have a heart of generosity and be willing and be able to do whatever God tells us to do the instant he asks us through the Holy Spirit to do it. So when we think we're unable, we need to look at, do we have clothes on today? Did we come in a vehicle? Could we afford gas this week? Did we, did we get us some Starbucks this week? Did we have, did we have a, a, a meal? And I'm not trying to, now here's what I'm not trying, I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something for you. And what I want you to understand is this is discipleship in generosity. Discipleship means to be t- taught and to be trained. And I want you to have the proper, healthy perspective of what giving or what generosity is. Generosity is not just giving. Generosity is being. Generosity is being loved, being kind, being grace, being forgiveness, being a resource for God to demonstrate himself. You see, when Jesus was on this earth, he was God in the flesh. If you want to know what God loves and what God hates, just see what Jesus thought about it. And I tell you, what God loves and what God hates, it's written in red in your Bible. But guess what? Who's God in the flesh now? The righteousness of God. We that are in right standing. Actually, in Psalms it talks about we're little gods. We're little sons and daughters of God. Oh, he says we're God. Well, get over yourself. I didn't say you're God. He's only God, the Heavenly Father. I'm not a God in the sense of him. I'm just in his image and likeness. I'm his child, filled with his spirit. His DNA. So the only way people are going to see God, feel God, hear God, is if we make him seen, if we make him known. We hear that statement, make Jesus famous, make God famous. Well, are we making God famous or not? Are we showing people what grace is? Romans 5 said the first Adam came, right? And he failed. He and he failed. But then the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came that we could be redeemed and become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He came so that we could experience right standing. He came so we could stand in a position of opportunity, a topos, to be be God in the flesh to people that would never see him. To represent him, to be an image of him, to be a likeness of him so that they could understand his heart. His love, His grace. So when we say we're unable, we need to really judge our heart. What are we able to do? If you're unable, you need to determine what are you able to do and then measure it against that. So was I truly unable? I didn't have an opportunity. I couldn't do it. But I was able to do this other thing over here. The other one is unwilling. So many times, just like returning tithe to God, that's his 10%. That's his mark of covenant. It's not a test. He said, this one thing in Malachi 3, you can test me with. Test me in this and see that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing out on you that there's not room enough to contain. See that I will rebuke the devourer over your vines and over your crops that they, they will produce. I'll rebuke him. And what was that? I'll hold him back. I'll, I'll get him off your staff. That doesn't mean you won't have trials. That don't mean you won't have situations. That don't mean you won't have problems. But what he's saying is, if you'll step toward me and come from a heart of love toward me, I'll come back a thousand times with a heart of love toward you. 
And that's why I think so many Christians think that the returning the tithe to God is just a 10% tax. And some Christians give to God, return to God, and they're upset and frustrated over it. You might as well just keep your 10%. If you're giving your 10% grudgingly, just keep it. It's just pouring hot coals on you. Don't give it. If you're going to give anything to anyone and feel grudgingly or fear or necessity, don't do it. If you're apprehensive, just don't do it. Give from a heart of love. Give from a heart of thanksgiving. Give from a heart of freedom and grace. I think a lot of times it's just we're uninspired. We don't hear about true discipleship of giving or generosity until there's a need in the church, until there's a need in our life, until there's a need in the community, and we have to get ourselves rallied up and fired up and, and faithed up and convicted up so we can write a check or, 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 or uh, uh, Venmo somebody or whatever we're going to do, right? Don't even write checks anymore. We're going to Venmo them, right? And I repent from coming to you for coming to you just in times of need. I repent that I may seem more fired up when there's an urgency, when there's a vision to happen, when there's something to do, or there's a need that's an impetus of why, why I challenge you to give. And I repent of that. And my desire is to begin to establish in you to be true disciples of generosity. Not out of works, but from a heart of grace and from a heart of love, to inspire you, not because the impetus is we have this big need and we have this sound system to buy or this or that. No, not out of the impetus of, oh, there's something great we can do as a church. Now let's go do it. Let's go accomplish it. Those are okay. But the true impetus should be we give because we're generous. We give because we know why we give, not just what we're giving to, but we know where we're giving from. Then the fourth one I think is uninformed. We're not just uninspired a lot of times. We're uninformed. We just don't know any better. We just never heard anybody talk about returning the tithe to God. We just, just never really understood, like, you know, one form of giving is what? Returning your tithe to God. That's your covenant with him. It's, it's really, he said, test me. What's he doing? He's saying, check your heart and I'll show you mine. Check your heart and I'll show you mine. Another one is when we give offerings, right? It's giving offerings. And it says some you give back 30, 60, 90, 100 fold. We sow a seed to get a crop. But then there's the, the kind of giving that offering that Cornelius made, right? And that's a, we call it a free will offering, or that's a, uh, what do you call the other one? Offering um, sacrificial offering. And it says that Cornelius, who was a, of the Italian band, he wasn't a Jew, but he was a pretty wealthy person with a whole household of servants and all this. And every day he would just but he had been fasting for quite a while and praying. And, he, and during that fast, he just kept sowing seed, sowing seed, giving offerings to the Lord, giving offerings to the Lord. Now, it didn't even matter where he gave them to. He was giving them to the Lord, asked unto the Lord. And then it said, the angel of the Lord visited him. When the angel of the Lord visited him, he said, send your people to get Peter. He's like, man, he's, why would Peter come to us? And whenever he sent, Peter had already had a vision from God on a rooftop. And whenever he had a vision from God on the rooftop, he came, which was totally against their tradition. It was even against their religion. That they were not allowed to eat with unclean people. That means people who weren't Jewish. And when Peter came, because he obeyed God, he was generous. And as he was generous, what happened? It says, while he was yet speaking, men and women in the household were saved filled with the Holy Ghost, and were speaking with their new prayer language before he ever finished his message. Never even did an altar call. You see, when we're generous, God is generous with our fruits. When, when, when we're willing to sacrifice, God is willing to do great things for the fruits of our righteousness. And the fruits of your righteousness is the treasure you have. The fruits of your righteousness, like David giving Days, you know, all the time to sow into men, to sow into women that, that deal with addiction because he came from that. He knows what that is. He knows that pain. And, you know, I can't even imagine how, much fruit, how many fruits that you have in, in heaven waiting on you when you get there. And each of you will all have a certain amount of fruit. 
And we're not just doing that. And David said, I, I don't care about that. He doesn't because he's got the right heart. He does it because that's the opportunity, the position of opportunity that's in front of him. You see, so many times we have a position of opportunity to be generous, but we miss it. We miss it, why? Because we're concerned about giving to rather than giving from. Giving for rather than giving from. What influence will we have if we do, or what will people think about us if we don't? So it's important for us to realize that we need to be informed. So my goal is to, to, even up through Christmas, I don't know how long God says, I want to inform you. I want you to be informed. I want you to be inspired so that you will never say I'm unable, right? You'll never say I'm unwilling, but you'll be willing because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You see, generosity is when we give because of a God encounter, not because the preacher's twisting your arm. And you know I've twisted your arm, your leg, your back, your neck, and held you down probably. Because, you know, I feel that's what I need to do at that time. But God's really dealing with me too. It doesn't mean I won't come hard and really make my point hard to you about things, especially the sound system and things like that. I'll be coming. I'm not saying I'm not going to come, but I'm just going to say you need to receive me with a heart of generosity. And if God doesn't release you to do it, don't do it. Just don't get mad. Just pray for those that do and a blessing on those that do give. You don't have to give to everything, but you do need to return your tithe to God. That's the minimum. Other than that, you can give according to the way you want to give. But we have a position of righteousness, a topos, a position of opportunity. And what we need to do is hear God and hear His Spirit. And if my heart's right and it's contrite before God, I don't even have to pray about it. Boom. Steph and I, when we need to give, we don't even have to pray about it. Boom. It hits our heart. Now, you know, for years, years, decades, we, when we sow a seed, if there's an opportunity and we feel it's a God opportunity, it doesn't even have to be for this church. We'll sow. Why? Because we understand what generosity is, and we always want to be generous people. I would rather be overly generous than not quite enough. I'd rather make the mistake of overdoing it than not doing it. I would rather make the, the, the statement of giving it out of reckless faith rather than fear not giving out of fear. You see, when I begin to feel that my resources are what I can get or someone has for me versus who God is and what he's put in me, then I lose. So today I want to talk to you a little bit deeper about this generosity to decide for you. Generosity, it's, it means to be generous. It means noble birth, excellent, generous in, in our English language. It means to be gracious, willing to give, and unselfish. Winston Churchill said this. He says, we make a living by what we, he said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. So God doesn't want us to catch a vision of just getting and doing. He wants to catch, he wants us to catch the heart of what giving is. He wants us to catch the heart of what charity is which is love is. He wants us to catch a heart of, he wants us to understand more the condition from what we're chari- chari- we get, have charity from versus what we're given to. So let's look again at 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9 are, is the longest section in the Bible, Bible without even breaking on giving. On giving. It's the longest section. Two full chapters dedicated to it. And what's so cool about it, Paul only talks about in one half of one verse to what they're given to. And the rest of the 99.5% goes to why we give. What kind of heart should we have? Why do we give? What kind of heart should we have? So let's look back at this. Beginning in verse 1, 2 Corinthians 8, 1. I'm going to read it out of NIV, guys. NIV. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial and overflowing joy, get that now, I'll talk about that in a minute. They're giving. The Macedonian church was much poorer than Jerusalem. But look at this. He said, The grace that God has given the Macedonian church 
What's it talking about? The grace, the unconditional love, the favor of God in their heart was bigger than their trials. It was bigger than their lack. It was bigger than their fears. It was even greater than their own necessities. God could use them to stand up and give when others had a greater opportunity to give than anyone else. But the Macedonians had such a revelation of God's heart, such a revelation of God's grace. Look at this. It says, the Macedonian churches, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and their extreme poverty. What? No, that, that, no. did I read that right? There's a lot of different dichotomies there. The Macedonian churches, out of the grace God had given, out of the most severe trial, they were in the most severe trial in their city in that region, poverty. Their overflowing joy, even though they were in the greatest trial in, in their city, their politics, and the financial situation that they were working in and working under, their economy, yes, you will. Even though it was severe, their overflowing joy, which is not based on happiness, God says that what? Joy is what comes in the midnight hour. Joy is what comes in the morning. Joy is what Paul and Silas had when they were beaten and put in the bottom of the jail. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not happiness based on what's happening. It says, out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy, and, look at this, conjunction, not or, not if, but and. Everybody say and. It means also. It means along with, right? It said, and their extreme poverty. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. All they have is God's grace. But it's more than enough. They have one thing, God's grace. The second thing they have is an addendum. They had God's grace, A, and, and B, or B1 would what? It would be God's joy. Other than that, they had a messed up economy, a messed up you know, financial situation that they're dealing with. They're living in extreme poverty, but they have joy. Then look at this. Out of overflowing joy and extreme poverty, what happened? Welled up in rich generosity. Wow, that blows me away. How can you be in extreme poverty and extreme joy at the same time? How can you be in these extreme circumstances and they hear of an opportunity to be generous and they get excited to be generous because one thing they're rich in, that's in generosity. You imagine what's waiting on those, what was waiting on them when they got to heaven. But Paul uses them in this illustration. It says, For I testify, this is Paul, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. I'm not, I'm not up here trying to get you to give or do something. I want to disciple you. I want you to understand what true generosity is about. True generosity is about the heart from which you give. A heart for the Father. A heart for His grace. A heart for His unconditional love. That's why He said in the book of 2 Corinthians, what? That we're to have what? Faith, hope, and charity, or love. Faith is important. Hope is important. But the most, but He said, above all, I'd rather you have love or charity. Not, a God, not, not filial love based on what's happening, but agape love, unconditional love. Love with no conditions. Love with no strings attached. And then he begins to testify that they were not only able to give, but they gave beyond their ability. And then it says entirely on their own. He said, I didn't have to prod them. I didn't have to stand there and preach, you know, four weeks on generosity. They gave it beyond their ability entirely on their own. Look now, they urgently pleaded with us for the, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They're, I'm sure Paul is looking like, you guys are broke. I mean, you're living below, you're under the poverty line. You have greater needs than the people we're going to take this offering to. 
I'm sure they were saying, you sure? He's probably thinking, it built his faith. He's probably like, you sure? I don't even know if I should receive an offering from you. But they said, they pleaded, they begged because they saw generosity is a privilege, not a principle. See, you don't, you know. When you look at generosity as a principle of life, that's like looking at love as a principle. How good is it going to do you to have love because that's your principle if you don't show love? If you're not loving. There's no difference. How is it I have a principle of generosity and just an ideal of it, an understanding, I think, of it without being generous? And again, generosity is more than giving money. Generosity is, is, is discipling, loving, serving, giving time, being there for people. Sacrificing for others. And they did not do as we expected. He said, they begged for this privilege to share with the saints. Look, but they gave themselves first. Look at this. He said, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves. Look, now here's the key to generosity. They gave themselves first to the Lord See, if God don't have your heart, you'll never be generous. If God don't have your heart, you won't even understand what love is. If God doesn't have your heart, you, you won't understand what, uh, you know, fruits of righteousness is. God's got to have your heart. He's got to be your Lord and Savior, but he's got to have your heart. And that heart is, I, I'm on this planet because of him. I have eternal life because of him. It's all based on him. Not what I do or what I have done. It's based on me giving my life to him and accepting his lordship, his fatherhood, being Abba, being my daddy forever. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping, look now, in keeping with God's will. In other words, Paul's like, I'm looking at you guys going, you're broke. You're, un- you're not just in poverty. You're under the poverty line. You're living in the poverty belt. And you're begging to give and to share with these churches in Jerusalem that's a more prosperous city than where you are out in the country of Macedonia. But then Paul learned something. See, it's okay not to know something as long as you're willing to learn something. I mean, there's a reason God chose Paul to write two-thirds of the New Testament through. He's humbling himself and telling us something. He's like, They're begging for this privilege, and I'm almost feeling guilty, like, come on, guys. I mean, but then he said, they first gave themselves to the Lord, (laughs) then the privilege of giving to his will. If he's not your Lord, you will never know his will. I said, if he's not your Lord, you'll never know his will. And there's nothing greater than being living in the will of God, understanding that. Living in his grace, living in his promises, living in his hope. You young people, you want to build a family? Build it on God's will. You want to build a family? Build it on God's love. You want to build a family? Build it on God's grace. Build it on God's generosity. Because there's no greater illustration of generosity than grace. If it's not good enough to lay your life down for, it's not generous. Say, well, you mean just because I don't give an art? No. You give your time to go make money. You give your time to be educated. You give your time to work. You use your body. You use your mind. You use your time. So anytime you give time to serve others, anytime you give finances to bless others, what is it? That's giving your life. That's what a charitable life is all about. Keeping with God's will. See, we should be marked by generosity and empowered by the work of God's grace. You see, I can't be marked by generosity if I'm not empowered by God. I mean, I was always a giving person. I'd help a friend or I'd do something or help the poor before I gave my life to Christ as best I was able. But once I become a child of God, I got a greater revelation. My eyes were opened. It's one thing when your eyes are open wide and your heart isn't. 
It's better to not have your eyes open than to have a closed heart. But once your eyes open, then your heart needs to open with it. You see, Christians should be marked by generosity, empowered by the work of God's grace. What? That transcends all difficulty and is motivated by a generous heart. I, I, I can't be generous during difficult times and circumstances. What? If my heart is not motivated by grace. Generous giving, what is empowered by God's grace. And Paul just gives us that beautiful illustration of the Macedonian church. Then he jumps over to verse chapter nine, 2, chapter 9. Let me read a verse there, and you hear it a lot around here when we receive offerings, or take them, however you want to say it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it's been a scripture that the first time I ever read it, any Bible I've ever had, and I've got dozens in there, and some I've lost, but they're breaking apart. You know, that Bible there is falling apart. Anything I have, I always mark this scripture. It's a hallmark to my life. It's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. We'll read it out of this. It says, God is able to make all grace. Not some, not a little. God is able to do what? Make all grace. Make all grace what abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, did the Macedonian church have all sufficiency in all things? We would say no, but they would say you're not right. They had all sufficiency in all things because the Lord had their heart. <laughs> oh, it's okay for Paul to be beheaded. It's okay for John the Baptist to be beheaded. It's okay for St. Peter to be crucified upside down and, and the disciple John, the apostle John, to be boiled on the Isle of Patmos. But for me to be in God's will, it needs to feel good. For me to be in God's will and to not have lack means I have more than I could ever imagine I would have. Which kingdom are you in? Sounds like a democracy you're living in instead of a theocracy. The reason you get so depressed watching the news is because that's your God. I, I can't even hardly watch it. Steph hardly ever watches it. And I was like, can you just turn that off? She said, well, you need to at least know this. I go, okay, good, turn it off. Why? Because... That's not my God. Yeah, I want to be informed, and I'll watch it a little bit just to get informed. That's all I need. And then it's usually I realize i got to take out about 30% of truth, maybe. But I have God in me. I have the Holy Spirit discernment in me. I have my own eyes and my own ears as well. And I can take a little bit of the news and then get some discernment and watch them from different angles and kind of get an idea. But it really doesn't matter if I don't have faith anyway. I mean, does this look like the picture that Paul gave us in chapter 8? God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Say every good work. Now, if we go back up here and read that one verse <laughs> and how the brothers that we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial. Does that sound like they had abundance? Their overflowing joy, wow, and their extreme poverty welled up. That word weld is an English term. It's the same word used in the old King James when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptismo, to be immersed in, is the same thing about being welled up in. <laughs> welled up joy and their extreme poverty. Welled up what? In rich Generosity, that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. But God. <laughs> if we could see ourselves the way God sees us, the world, even religious leaders, even great apostles saw them as broke in extreme poverty. But God saw them rich and overflowing and gave them joy. 
Why did they have joy? Maybe taking food from their own children to feed someone else. Why did they have joy? Because they were in God's will. And doesn't another place in Scripture say, His meat is my will, is His will. My meat is His will. The meat, my sustenance, is living in His will. Man, when you compare those two Scriptures, it just... It doesn't make sense in our natural mind. God is able to make all grace that you always have an all sufficiency, all things, that you may have abundance in what? Every good work. But you're poor. You're living in poverty, extreme poverty. But you have joy. And you sow. Wow. And you're in God's will. He's saying, in other words, you look at all these things that bring you, should bring you joy, but they don't. Because you forget about my will. We no longer give because of God's commands. We give because of God's grace and love toward us. I give because he loves me so much, even in my imperfections, even in my sin, even in my failures. He loves me. My good times, my faith times, my high times. He loves me anyway. He loves me just as I am, not as I think I should be or as you think I should be. He loves me just as I am, and he loves you just as you are right now. And you're looking at yourself through the lens of some family tradition or situation or something that happened in school or the way the government looks at you or education looks at you or your employer looks at you. Why don't you look at yourself the way God looks at you? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. God's not rewarding you based on the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He doesn't reward you based on what you deserve. If that's the case, we'd already be in hell. Jump down to 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. I'll wrap up here. Had a lot more to share with you, but... I'm going to let you out and get wet in the rain. Maybe it's God. Who knows? <laughs> Say, increasing the fruits of my righteousness. Increasing the fruits of my righteousness. Didn't Jesus say somewhere that if the vine is not producing fruit, cut it off, bundle it up, and burn it? I kind of wonder, a lot of Christians, I wonder if we got any fruit or are we just a dead branch? Really, we shouldn't even have to receive offerings. We should come in here by the Spirit of the Lord and just start laying the money up here, what God told us to do. Obviously, our tithe first or send it in on push pay before we ever get here. It shouldn't even have to be an offering time. Our life is an offering spilled out before God. Our life is an offering of incense. To God. We as preachers and church people, I think we got it all backwards. But I think God wants to disciple us. Increasing the fruits of our righteousness. Look at this and we'll wrap up. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11 says, May he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. I hope you've been sowing good seed. Because the principle he's teaching us is whatever you have sown, you will reap a harvest of multiplied beyond. If you reap unforgiveness, you're probably living in a lot of unforgiveness. If you're reaping anger, anger you, why is everybody mad at me? Probably because you're mad all the time. Why does nobody like me? Probably because you don't like anybody. And probably not yourself. Well, why does everybody just love her? She just said, I don't know why. I don't know why I go to I don't know. Susie, why, why does everybody love her? They don't love us. She's new to the church. She just got saved. I heard she was a prostitute. And now she's up there and somebody gave her a car and somebody loves her over here and somebody gave her a job. And she's the queen of the church and she just came out of the world. Well, maybe if you get the world out of you, God can promote you. It's one thing to be in the world and come out of the world into God, but it's a whole other thing to be partially in God and have part of the world in you and expect the full reward. 
Just saying. <clears throat> because the bread you're eating on today is the seed you sowed yesterday. The life, you're the sum total today. The life you live today is the sum total of every decision you've ever made up to this point. Other than what God graced off you that you repented of. So it says, supply and multiply the seeds you have sown and increase the fruit of what your right standing in God, your position of opportunity, your co-posts. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes what? Thanksgiving through us to God. If you want people to think God is charitable, be charitable. If you want people to think God is loving and don't understand, then be loving. Because they look at you as an extension of God. And if we don't have the fruits of righteousness, of love, of charity, of hope, of grace, of faith, of patience, of long-suffering, if we can't share that with others, then they can't see it. We know it. We see it. And we're hiding God from them in the wide open. The way God receives thanksgiving is through the fruits of our righteousness. The perspective that the world has of God, you know, they'll say, well, these preachers, they got their private jets and their television stations. That's not even one hundredth or millionth of one percent of ministers of the gospel. But they're the ones that seen the most. And I'm not talking about people who have or don't have. I'm just saying what do we do every day? We want to judge the big person over here, whether they're positive or negative. Are you positive or negative? Maybe that girl that drives you crazy at work won't make it to heaven unless she experiences the fruit of your righteousness. Maybe that guy drives you crazy and, and bugs you and wants to go out you and your buddies all the time. Maybe you need to let him go out you and your buddies and stop explaining it to your other buddies. And if they can't handle it, maybe you don't hang out with them because they're obviously not encouraging the fruits of righteousness in you. Be careful when you fit in, you might get stuck there. (laughs) Told you I was a heavy meddling preacher, right? I'm meddling heavy right now. But I I want you to see the dichotomy of generosity and not generosity, the the fruit of love and the fruit of law. We're not to live under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. We're to live under love. God doesn't need you to give. He just needs you to love. And if you love, you'll give. He doesn't need you to serve. If you'll love, you'll serve. You can't help yourself. Look, God can only increase our fruit in proportion to how generous we are to sow good seed. Now, he can increase, allow the bad fruit to increase in your life. You know, why is everybody picking on me? Gloom, despair, agony, and all that. Why is everybody picking on me, right? He haw Way back there. You're real old if you know that. Like me. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, change the seed you're sowing. Why is every woman I date crazy? Maybe you're crazy. Why does every guy I ever go out with is a jerk? Maybe you're a jerk. Why does every guy want something from me? Maybe you wanted something from them. It might not have been sex, but you probably wanted something and you didn't even like them and went out with them. How did we start off so kind on generosity and love? She's over here with geek marriage going crazy right now. It's like, I know, I got notes there. Look, I'm just trying to give you the opposite side so you see how silly we can be. Me too. I'm, I'm not putting you down. I, I'm kind of like Paul. I'm the biggest sinner of all too. Just ride with me in rush hour. You'll see. <laughs> Stephanie say, honey, you know they can't hear you right now. <laughs> so the big joke now is the fuse blew on my horn on my truck. 
Stephanie's like, I'm just praying to God that when you put the fuse in, it don't work. I'll be hitting my phone. They're texting. They're just sitting there. We missed it. They're texting. She said, well, the Lord didn't come back. We're okay. Parker's over there laughing now. He knows that's the truth. Well, I guess we better pray. Why you still like me? Hallelujah. I just want you to put your hands out like this and close your eyes this morning. And I just want you to say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, show me your heart. Show me your love. Show me your faith. Show me your hope. So I can sow it into others. Open my eyes wide so my heart can be open wide for you and your kingdom. That I always walk in your will. I always walk in your plans. Right now, I ask for cursed seed that I have sown to be cursed and to die. And I ask, Lord, that you give me opportunity to sow new seed, God's seed, love seed, righteous seed, salvation seed, healing seed, blessing seed, Lord. Transform me so I can transcend above my circumstances. So that I can have eternal treasure in heaven, not to honor me, but to honor you, Daddy. Thank you, Father, for your grace, which is sufficient for me, always, in Jesus' name. Give God a big shout of praise if you would. Come on. Give God a big shout of praise. Hallelujah.